Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey, as we continue our 22nd anniversary year. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach, a leader in international trade and environmental stewardship. And the Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. We have a wonderful guest for you tonight for the entire show. Our guest will be the District Attorney of Los Angeles County, Jackie Lacey. Jackie, welcome to our show. Thank you, Art. Thanks for having me. It's our it's our pleasure and honor. Uh, the DA supervises an office with 1,000 lawyers, 300 investigators, 800 support staff. That is a major league office, and uh, congratulations on your election, and uh, give us a sense of, uh, of your view of the office and your priorities. Well, the, the office is a fantastic office. I, every day I sort of have to pinch myself um, because it is the largest office in the nation. It's larger than any uh, other local prosecutorial agency in the country. And we have uh, a little bit of an element of Hollywood also mixed in with the criminal justice <laughs> system. And so it's very fascinating. And, th and then on top of that, prosecutors are a special breed of lawyers. You know, they are people who are about principle and committed to doing what's right. And uh, we're, instead of, you know, fighting about money necessarily, we're fighting about justice and uh, about protecting people. There's something very noble about representing I think so. I think uh, the so. government, in this case, the state of California, the right. county of Los Angeles. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I uh, can recall the first time I was in court, Art, and uh, said Jacqueline Lacey for the people. Yes. I, I could have sworn I heard background music. You know? <laughs> so it's a, it's a very noble profession. It's not for everybody. We're very selective. When we do hire, we get uh, um, maybe five, 600 applications for just 40 spots. Wow. That's how much uh, of a uh, coveted job it is. But uh, the office, uh, I'm very fortunate. My predecessor, Steve Cooley, left that office in great shape. So we have nothing left but to build up and uh, to respond to the, pri the changing justice system in terms of our priorities. So I came in uh, really sort of treating this a little bit as a corporate America job and saying, all right, we've got five goals and here they are. Uh, we're going to look for accurate information on realignment because if you follow those articles, you'll read about one case here, a parolee there, or what's going on in state prison and there are no more beds. But we've got to find out accurate information so that we can make uh, decisions on public safety that are meaningful and really respond uh, to the crime rate uh, here in uh, Southern California. Uh, the second thing I want to do is expand the use of alternative sentencing courts. There are far too many uh, people who are in jail who are addicted to drugs and who are suffering from mental illness. And it's very costly to use oh, a that. yeah, and it's very costly to use uh, a jail bed uh, to treat people for those two things. So we need to get those folks some type of help so that uh, they can get out of the criminal justice system forever and be where they belong. And that would relieve some of the overcrowding Absolutely. that triggered the realignment. Absolutely, absolutely. Re realignment in the state prison level 
if you looked at the case that uh, caused it, uh, it really involved the treatment of so many, uh, the, the uh, treatment of so many people mentally and physically who were in state prison. Uh, so uh, I also, my mother was the victim of um, elder abuse fraud, and I want to go after and warn, uh, first of all, I want to go after some of those people who uh, take advantage of the elderly with their scams, their phone calling, and I want to warn all seniors, don't wire money through Western Union or any other service to bail the imaginary grandson or nephew out of jail. That is a common scam. My mother fell for it, and I want to warn all seniors about it. Uh, I also want to do something about identity theft. I've uh, had my identity stolen three times. It's happening so wow. often. Uh, so we, we're, we're going to. Pretty gonna, dangerous to steal the identity of an assistant. You, you would think attorney. the nerve, the nerve, nerve right? It really is. Uh, but uh, we can do some things to shut identity thieves down. And I also want to expand uh, our efforts in the environmental crimes area. You know, a lot of folks are concerned, and we certainly are here in Long Beach, about. Uh, the releasing bad guys triggered by realignment. And I'm told that often the county doesn't know the full record of the person being released. For some reason, the state is releasing the person, but there are not complete records. And I think it's up to the sheriff to decide whether that person stays in, in county jail or whether someone else is released. And if you don't have the facts, how can, can you make a rational decision? Well, well, that's why that's one of my priorities, is figure out how to get the various different systems to talk to one another. The, states, the system used in state prison to keep these records uh, do, are not necessarily accessible by people at the local level. And I do want to know who's coming out in the community because then we can figure out how to monitor people, how probation can successfully monitor people, and we can uh, do something to prevent uh, them from committing future crimes. So that is the biggest challenge is, is sort of, you remember the movie where they talked about pre-crime? If we could figure out when, uh, if we had somebody's oh, yes. full record, yeah. uh, if we could figure out um, what their likelihood was of committing a crime and what we can do to re reduce that chance of them yeah. re-entering a life of crime forever. I know you want to get better recidivism records. And, Correct. Uh, Correct. The recidivism rate right now, uh, we have a number that is old. It's two years old. Uh, the chances of two years ago, we know that the chances of you re-entering state, re -entering state prison for a new offense or a new t technical violation was uh, something like 63%. That's really high within a three-year period. And we have no idea what it is now. We don't know because right now the people that we used to send to state prison who had failed a probation, we used to send them to state prison, we're now sending them to county jail and many of them are getting released on ankle bracelets and alternatives. What we don't know is, is that as effective as what we used to do in terms of state prisons? So we've, um, our office has led the charge on, first of all, defining recidivism. There was a big fight about how to define it. I think the justice partners, we all now agree on how to define it. We should count what's called flash incarceration, where a probation officer can put you in the county jail uh, if you do a technical violation. And once we have those numbers, and we shouldn't be afraid of the truth, once we have those numbers, then we can make decisions on should laws be tightened, should they be loosened, should we seek more alternative sentencing courts. I think there's a consensus that too many people are being imprisoned for the wrong reasons, and it's expensive, and it's counterproductive. Well, I think, um, you know, there's a, 
what, what my newest favorite website is TED Talks, and there's a, a TED Talk um, called the, the, the Power of a Single Story, and it's basically the power of a single story being repeated over and over again. I think we have to uh, make sure that we just don't rely on one single headline and repeat that over and over again. We have to look at data. We have to look at hard facts, and it's incumbent upon your elected leaders uh, to base their decisions on that and not base their decisions on one single case, one single headline, the flavor of the month. And uh, I'm out to make sure that um, we have that data available and that our office makes those decisions based on information. Great. Well, we'll be continuing this fascinating discussion with the district attorney after we pause for these messages. At the Port of Long Beach, we're not only delivering jobs, smart ideas, and forward-thinking environmental initiatives. We're also delivering opportunity for all of Southern California. Oh, and a clearer horizon line. To learn more, go to polb.com, the Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks. Hello, I'm Jessica Hardy, a proud Long Beach native and a member of the USA Swimming national team. Having spent much of my life in water, I've developed a deep appreciation for the valuable role that this precious resource plays in our lives. In recent years, California's water supply has become unreliable. To address this reality, Long Beach residents have dramatically reduced their water use through permanent lifestyle changes. In doing so, Long Beach has made itself a leader in water conservation. As I work hard to achieve my personal goal of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics, I encourage you to continue your tremendous efforts to use water in smart and responsible ways. So join me and your fellow Long Beach residents in strengthening the water conservation movement. By making small but significant changes in our water use habits, together we can ensure that we have a reliable water supply for many generations to come. At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. We're back, continuing our conversation with Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey. Jackie, give us your view of the of the criminal justice system as a whole. Is it working, not working? Where does it need help? I, I think overall art, it works very, very well. Uh, our criminal justice system, from what I can see, um, is uh, fair. It's based on the Constitution. Uh, law enforcement has now become a profession. There are many people in law enforcement who have degrees. Prosecutors share information. We invest a lot of training in prosecutors and retraining. And so, in general, I believe that the criminal justice system works well. The guilty do uh, get punished. And those where we don't have enough evidence, um, we, don't, we don't punish them. And so, and and, but not if, that there weren't some mistakes. But. And if at the end of a trial, the guilt, uh, they find not guilty, uh, you as a prosecutor don't feel that you lost 
because your job is not necessarily to convict, but to see that justice is done. Well, and if the if the evidence wasn't strong enough in the minds of the jury, fine, you did your job. Right. I I, I, I express it this way. Um, while I may be disappointed in a verdict, I respect the jury system that we have. I respect the decision. This is the way we've set it up in our country for years. In other countries, they um, have one person who decides whether you get the death penalty. Can you imagine? Wow. Can you imagine? And our system isn't just isn't like that. There's so many controls and safeguards. In general, it works well, uh, but there's always room for improvement. And I'm always seeking to figure out how we can improve what we do. Let me ask you, because I know in your long and distinguished career, you tried many, many cases. Do you think juries generally get it right? I do. Um, I think that as a prosecutor, uh, it's a heavy burden to prove your case beyond a reasonable doubt. And you ought to take that burden seriously. But in general, I believe that jurors do uh, get it right. They listen. Every jury that I've ever been involved in is very conscientious. They take notes. They listen. And they take their job very seriously. You were involved in uh, the first hate crime prosecution under a new California statute in People versus Rojas. Tell us about that case. Yeah. It was, uh, for me, an African-American prosecutor. I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, I got the case file. The man who had been mar uh, murdered was an African-American homeless man who had been addicted to drugs. He was in his 40s, and his name was Milton Walker. Uh, these three young people who were involved in this murder were part of a group called the Nazi Lowriders. And in order to earn uh, a certain tattoo, you had to kill a minority. And uh, they just happened upon Milton Walker one night in an empty lot. And uh, they took a tire iron and a two by four and beat him to death. When we flashed the pictures on uh, the screen to show the jury, there was an audible gasp in the crowd. People couldn't believe it, um, that the, the brutality of it. And uh, it, was, uh, it was the time, I, I say, of all the trials I had, of all the 60 trials I had, it was the time where I felt I was walking two feet off the ground when I delivered my closing argument. And that was back in 1998. Correct. Well, at the trial was in 90, probably 99. 99. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you never, never, never forget, forget something like yeah. that. What, uh, what kinds of cases stick in your mind besides uh, that very... I, I think all of the homicide cases that I've tried stick in my mind. There were 11 of them. And each one uh, required me to start the case by looking at coroner's photos of a body and then learning a little bit about the victim and establishing a rapport with the witnesses and developing uh, a theme of the case and realizing that uh, the stakes were very high. Uh, those cases, I always noticed to Art that I always had a few more gray hairs in my head after those trials because they are all engaging. They take months. It takes actually two or three years before cases like that get to trial. And uh, you're, you're, at the time you're in trial, uh, you are thinking about that trial 20, almost 24-7. You're seven. living it. You're living it. And then you go home and you prepare for the witnesses right. the next day. Right, and right. And, it, and you're not just the trial prosecutor. If there's a family... That family is looking to talk to you every morning, and they want to know, they want reassurance. Let me ask you, do you think it's appropriate that the family of the victim is allowed to make a statement to the judge pre-sentencing, to, to get the views of 
that particular family who are uniquely burdened by the, by the crime. Uh, absolutely, and not only that, I don't think we pay enough respect to victims of, uh, or survivors is what we call them, of, of homicides and yeah. victims of crime. Uh, there is a movement that I'm part of to see if we can get a constitutional amendment to actually allow victims uh, the opportunity to be heard in any criminal case where they have uh, been harmed or their, vict or their uh, loved ones have been killed. Because so often, um, it's, it's not about the dead anymore. A lot of times it's about the living, yeah. and people forget the impact. You need to bring impact. that victim into the you back need to, into Yeah, the yeah. And, and not that I think that victims should control the sentencing. That's what the judge is for. But after uh, a crime has happened, Art, to you, and you, have the right to, you should have the right to be heard. I, I think so. I, I, yeah, I'm even if, basic. you know, you're, you should have the right to be heard. That's as simple as that. Amen to that. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back with uh, the next segment of this wonderful show after these messages. How do you like your chances the rest of the week? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah. But if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee, freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember. Polly's, 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own in my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Belfar, Long Beach. Hi, I'm Los Angeles County Supervisor Don Canavi, host of Dialed In. Be sure to tune in as I welcome three of California's former governors, Governor George Duke Majin, Governor Pete Wilson, and Governor Gray Davis to discuss their time in office, as well as their thoughts on the issues Californians face today. Dialed In airs on Charter Communications, Channel 101, seven days a week. Continuing conversation with Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey. Uh, as some of you may know, we have a city prosecutor here in Long Beach. And Jackie, how does your office relate to the office of the elected Long Beach City Prosecutor? Well, um, you know, we handle misdemeanors in the unincorporated area. And there are several city prosecutors, such as Mr. Halbert, who handles uh, prosecutions in certain cities, and he handles the Long Beach prosecutor's offices. To give you an example how we work together, right now uh, we are working on uh, some legislation 
that would allow diversion to occur for some misdemeanors, first-time misdemeanors. And so we are constantly in contact because if you can imagine if you had one set of policy and rules and standards outside of Long Beach and then one side inside, the public would perceive that as people being treated unfairly based yes. on which jurisdiction. So we work very closely together. Mr. Halbert and I are of like minds. Uh, I call us common sense prosecutors, real people. Uh, and uh, I, I think the world of him and I'm very supportive of him. And I think Long Beach has a great prosecutor in, in the Long Beach prosecutor's office. And I have a great partner there. Great, well thank you for that. Uh, did you think when you were growing up as a, a young gal that someday you might be sitting in the, in the seat that you are sitting in the DA's office? I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, you know, there are times in your life where you allow yourself to dream and you think, I'm going to do something one day. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something special. And um, there may have been times where I felt that way. But when I entered undergraduate school, I entered to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher. Uh, I changed once I met uh, a lawyer who looked like me. She's a young African-American woman, and I heard her speak with such passion, and I thought, that's what I want to do. I could do that. Um, I entered the DA's office uh, in 1986 and just kept working my way through the chairs, uh, and uh, I never imagined that uh, I could be an elected official. I never thought I had uh, what I would call the stomach to campaign. I never w really was interested in the political world in that sense. But um, a couple of years ago, a little bit more than a couple of years ago, when I realized that um, uh, the district attorney was going to retire, I started thinking, you know, I have a lot of ideas and observations in my 25 years in the office. And uh, maybe it's time I stepped up to lead. And after a lot of soul searching, I decided to run, and I wasn't, I wasn't a sure thing. Sure. Uh, it was, I, I consider myself a long shot, but. but uh, and you found the leader within. There's a whole theory that we're all leaders, yeah. but we need to discover it Absolutely. ourselves. And, and, and you discovered that. And it's leader. a process. I, I don't think you wake up one day and say, ah, I'm ready to leave, <laughs> right? It's a process. For me, um, you know, I, I think back over the last five years, you know, um, I did a long distance walk. I went from a couch potato to doing a long distance walk. Um, you know, I had a death in my family, my, my dad, and I often thought, gosh, if I could survive the last week of my dad's life uh, watching him die, then what, what, what else, after you go through something like that, what else should you fear? Um, just a lot of other things, just watching even the political landscape, watching the first African-American president. I never thought I would live to see that. And you, as you mentioned earlier, are the first African-American to occupy that position and yeah. the first woman to occupy yeah. that. So congratulations Thank on you. both counts. Thank you. And I'm, I'm proud of that, but I want to be the best DA. I'm competitive. Yes. And uh, I want to serve. You know, the country know. arrives when they don't see color, where they just right. say, uh, uh, Mayor Bradley was a great governor, not a great black. Uh, it's a great, great, uh, a great, great mayor. mayor. Yeah, that me. almost yeah. happened. But <laughs> yeah, funny thing happened. Uh, governor Duke Major. Absolutely, absolutely. No, they just see a really good mm -hmm. mayor. And sometimes, you know, they don't appreciate the leadership until it's gone, yeah. and that can be sad. Yeah. 
One of our classmates at law school, I mentioned earlier off air, uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, has sure. had a very distinguished career. She has. I think she's a, still a delegate from Washington, D.C. She in is. Congress. And, uh, she is. She was early on in a group called CORE, which this is a radical group back in the <laughs> 60s, but of course yeah. it's now It's mainstream. Mainstream. <laughs> you know. yeah. uh, talk a little bit about uh, race relations in America. I mean, it's... We just celebrated the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's speech, and uh, as, as you may know, I worked in the Civil Rights Division of sure. the Justice Department way back. Uh, uh, we're getting there, but we sure ain't there yet. Well, you know, here we are. Um, we're 50 years from the I Have a Dream speech, and many of us, I would have been, I would have been seven years old at the time, six years old at the time wow. that uh, that speech was delivered, and yet I feel I was there because in my household it's played over and over again. My favorite phrase is, one day I have a dream that uh, my four children will live in a country where they are judged by the content uh, of the character not and not the, the color. color of their skin. Amen. And uh, we're, we're certainly a lot further along toward that goal when you look at um, my, the voters saying we will embrace this person as we our enforced day. the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Uh, right, there was a time when if right, you were black in the South, right, you, you basically didn't vote. Right. But we still, I, I, and with that, there's still a footnote. We still have a way to go. We still have a way to we go. Have, we need to clean up our language. Uh, we need to abandon the stereotypes. Uh, we we still either in, even here in Southern California, um, you know, we still live in sort of um, isolated communities. Yeah. But America has the strength to look at itself yeah. and make the adjustments. Absolutely. We have to. We, we want to be the leaders in this area, yeah. right? We want to lead the world in this area, so we'd better. Okay. Well, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages. Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Phil is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at Trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. I want to improve my career opportunities. I want to earn a higher salary at my job. I'd like to finish what I started. The new Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts degree completion program at Cal State Long Beach will help you achieve your educational goals while keeping your life in balance. Contact our customer service center at 1-800-963-2250 for more information or visit us on the web. Let CSULB help you finish what you started. who are closest to you, from our family to yours. McCarty's Jewelry, since 1932. Well, it was an honor to have the district attorney on our show, and I think we're fortunate to have elected officials of the caliber of Jackie Lacey. I want to thank you, Jackie, for taking the time to visit us. And final words to our viewers. Well, I, I uh, first of all, even though we're at the 10-month mark of my freshman year in office, 
Um, I thank the viewers for uh, supporting me and voting for me. Uh, your DA's office is working extremely well. The prosecutors who are in our office, I refer to them as heroes in suits and pumps. Wow. And uh, the work that they do is heroic. Uh, we require a lot of them. And uh, we appreciate the public's support. And it's my mission to make sure that uh, the decisions that we make are always in the best interest of justice. Jackie Lacey, thank you for joining us on Straight Talk. Thank you. And thank you at home for being our guest. Please join us next week for the next edition of our show. Good night, everyone. Straight Talk has been brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach and the Press-Telegram. And remember, Straight Talk is viewable 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.